Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, and we have finally made it, guys. We have actual NFL football this week, which means we're going to get into some actual games. And Jay, uh, my co-host here, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire and my co-host, super happy to have you. Jay, we finally made it, man, through all this craziness of COVID and the training camp and all this stuff. We finally have football this week. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I can't complain. I, I, I'm going to be honest, man. I, I didn't know if we were going to make it to this point in terms of, uh, you know, society, in terms of having football is what I mean. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here, happy to actually be covering uh, some actual Jags versus Colts football this week, man. Like, it just feels different. Uh, and, and it feels, uh, I guess, I won't say we took covering football for granted, uh, but they had that feeling back considering what all we've gone through, man, it, it makes you feel good. So, man, I'm glad to be back. Glad to uh, have our guest on who you're going to introduce in a little bit. Good friend of mine for many, many years. Uh, we, I mean, we've been independents pretty much the same time. We were, uh, we jumped into USA Today at the same time, so on and so forth, man. So, yeah, man, I can't wait to get the show rolling, man. Y'all, the wait is finally over. Football is back. And while you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. I'm pretty new to sports betting, but Bet Online has made it really easy to just jump right in, throw money down on the game that you want, and then you just go from there. Now that the NFL is back, I'll definitely be taking advantage of it. From game updates and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Absolutely. So as you mentioned there, Jay, we have a very special guest. And without further ado, we're going to let him introduce himself. We have Arden Franklin, who you mentioned we've been working with for such a long time. You can find him over on Twitter at Arden Sports Talk. But Arden, Hey, how are you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining us. Hope that everybody is safe and healthy where you're at and where you're at. And uh, yeah, just take the time to introduce yourself to the Believe audience. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on the show. You know, once again, my name is Arden Franklin, uh, sports writer. Um, been doing this now for 10 years. I'm still a young guy. I'm only 27, but I've really been at it for 10 years. Um, first thing first, like Jay said, I'm, a, I'm an independent sports writer. I have my own platform called AST short for Arden Sports Talk, that covers all three levels of sports between youth, collegiate, and professional sports. And I've been able to really build that up into a, a multi-million view platform that also covers a magnitude of events, you know, in this part of the country in the Northeast. And from there, I've been able to really take my time and experience from that platform, which I still run to this day, but I was able to take that and work on bigger platforms such as SB Nation, USA Today, Slam Magazine and Zach's blog, being able to cover basketball and football and, and really make something out of it. And 
still at it, still fighting a good fight, still doing what we can, man, to make sure sports media is uh, is in good shape. Absolutely, man. And of course, we brought you in because you're a Colts fan. And over on the Jaguar, baby, <laughs> we do the uh, behind enemy lines. So that's essentially what we are doing here. Before we get into the questions that we have for you, Arden, you know, take a little bit of time as well to talk about this project that you've had, you've been working on over the last few years, as far as the Foresight Network. Tell a little bit, of, uh, yeah. tell a little bit of uh, you know what that is. Yeah, man. So as the Believe audience can see, just one of the many merchandise we've been working on. Um, yeah, so outside of my efforts in sports media, I have my own hip-hop network called Foresight. Um, Foresight is a nickname that I gave my home, Westchester County, New York, which is a part of the tri-state area in New York. So it's just outside of the city. And it was just a nickname I really wanted to give to my loving home area. And it's something that we use to talk about hip-hop and R&B in a very responsible yet entertaining way. So it started as a podcast that, you know, me and my good friend Wills did. Um, Wills is still a part of Foresight now, but it's at the point where it really is a network. You know, it is a company in which we're making all of these pieces of content. We're really just expanding our vision for what we're trying to do with Foresight and really make it something that not only can people from our neck of the woods in Westchester County, New York, be proud of, but just rap fans and R&B fans in general could really like. Again, if you want that responsible yet entertaining coverage of the culture, if you're somebody that loves listening to music. Again, we have a very exciting development with that taking place right now. And it's something that, again, I've been putting a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and money in. So I'm really happy with how it's going. And, you know, of course, similar to what I've done for my sports writing career, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot to make sure that uh, it's been done properly. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just wanted to give you that opportunity to talk about that as well. Appreciate because, it. You know, just like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because just like Jay and I, you know, we have other projects, you know, Jay had just, by the way, just launched a video game channel, which I'll let Jay promote here in just a moment. You know, I have my project over at the wait for a podcast with the pop culture stuff. So, you know, I, I just think it, and we were talking about this before we got started, you know, just building upon projects that are minority run, you know, I mean, it's huge right now. And I always take the opportunity to shout out believe because they've been so great throughout, you know, everything is as far as when all this social injustice stuff started, They've really been done a really good job at empowering our voices, right, Jay? Yeah, absolutely, man. They reached out, you know, during the, you know, George Floyd uh, murdering and then said, hey, you know, y'all got a clip or whatever the case may be, y'all want to play that we, y'all want us to promote on Instagram, feel free. Uh, so, you know, that, that, you know, from that standpoint, you know, me and Phil felt like, okay, well, we, we definitely found a good spot to be at right now. So, yeah, man, just throughout all of this, man, just letting us, you know, let our voices be heard um, in terms of what we have to say about social injustice and inequality. And yeah, like Phil said, man, like the, between the three of us, you know, obviously that's something we stress because we come from the independent realm. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's where we were bred at, basically, you know, in terms of sports content and so on and so forth. So with that being the case, you know, like now, you know, it's it's about a lunch pad, you know, using where we are now as a lunch pad to get where we want to be. Um, and like you said, that's encouraged me to step into the video game realm. Uh, the channel's called Level 88 Gaming. I have the link um, in the, um, I put it out on the bio or whatever the case may be, the description, should I say. I put it in there. We'll put Arden's information in there as well to promote his stuff as well. Okay. But yeah, man, like basically what it is, it's just a video game channel. At first, I was thinking of just doing retro stuff in terms of the old school 
stuff that I used to play back in the day. But I mean, I realized I was like, well, at my age, I've seen pretty much the evolution of video games. So <laughs> I might as well just go through everything, man. Like, I mean, I guess you can't say I went around in the Atari days, but everything after that Atari point, like Game Boy and on, like I pretty much seen the evolution of video games, like five generations of games, literally. So it was like, yeah, it's probably that time to get into the video game realm and start uh, you know, sharing what I know and then what I've seen and what have you. So, I mean, and then, you know, the PlayStation 5 coming out. So, you know, we got to get moving on that generation as well. So, yeah, man, Level 88 Gaming was born. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll have some more content up soon. That's right, man. Cook up. It's the least you can do. Absolutely, guys. And well, as Jay mentioned, you know, all those projects will be linked in the description for this episode. We're going to get into the questions we have for Arden here in just a moment as far as the Indianapolis Colts. Reminder that if you are enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate. That is one of the five stars, five stars only. If you have anything to don't do it, if you, <laughs> I could do the five, that's one of the best ways you can support the show. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us also at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. I am at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Don. But that being said, guys, without further delay, let's get into the football talk because that is why we are all here. This first question here for you, Arden. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the offseason for the Colts in general? You know, specifically, we want to talk about, you know, what do you know about the, the front office goals from the team heading into 2020? And also, who are some free agents of note that they added that, you know, weren't just Phillip Rivers? Oh, man, I think for this Colts front office, obviously led by my main man, Chris Ballard, it was just trying to get their footing. You know, it's crazy enough to think that for every offseason during Chris Ballard's tenure as as the as the GM of the Colts, it hasn't been drama free and it's not his fault. It was, of course, waiting for Andrew Luck to come back. Then it's OK. We made the playoffs and we think we're going to do something. And then Andrew Luck retires. Then there's always some sort of injuries. Then there's, of course, to go back to the very beginning, Chris Ballard taking over this team, and yet he has to go through a season with Chuck Pagano. So it's like, all right, you got to go through that entire situation. So I think for the Colts in 2020, this is the first drama-free offseason in which everybody now can just go through it. Well, they went through it, and now it's just a matter of, all right, we know what to expect in 2020. Um do I think this team is a playoff team? And in all seriousness, I really do believe so. And I think they have those same expectations as well, because last year they had playoff expectations, even when Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. And I think when it comes to certain additions of this team, Ballard made the moves that had to be done. I mean, when you're able to get an all pro defensive lineman that's in his mid twenties for that kind of contract to basically lead the way for what was already an improved pass rush the year before because of Justin Houston and you get DeForest Buckner, that's huge. You know, when you have Darius Leonard at linebacker who basically had another all pro caliber season, that is huge. You know, Kenny Moore to me is somebody that is arguably the best slot corner in the game. And then you look around the defense and you go, all right, we have some young pieces here. Anthony Walker, Bobby Aruke, Rockison, Malik Hooker, Marvel, uh, Marvel Tell, Kerry Willis, you have these guys here that are improving and it got valuable experience last year, despite the way the season went. And that's before you even talking about offense, right? And you look at the coach offense last year and people go, well, the coach offense had a clear drop off, which is true. 
But at the same time, the Colts offense for the second season in a row, once again, in all seriousness, had the best offensive line in football. You know, it feels like more and more now, the days of when we had piss poor offensive line player long gone. You know, the Colts have studs up front. And it was beautiful that we was able to extend to everybody. Well, minus Nelson, because he's a rookie, a uh, second year player or third year player. But it's just we had continuity up front and these guys delivered. Again, Jay and you guys know we continue to be long ways removed from the Peyton Manny passing days. We now have a running game, uh, right? Marlon Mack being a thousand yard runner. So when you think about what this Colts team did, and then in the draft, you got certain guys. You got Michael Pittman from USC, who I really enjoyed. Jonathan Taylor is already a starting caliber back in this league. So to have him behind that offensive line with Marlon Mack, it's like, come on now. And the tight end position, I think we're going to be pretty solid with. So I think in general, this was as great of an offseason as you can hope for if you're the Indianapolis Colts. And oh, by the way, they was able to sign – Xavier Rhodes, who's only, what, two years removed from being an all-pro? So these guys made the necessary moves that you needed to make for a team that was a 7-9 and nine and has playoff aspirations. And as a fan of the team, um, I was very happy with it. Jay, before you get into the next question, with I do want to ask you this, Arden, because you, you spoke about that offensive line and how now it's at a place where, obviously, it's arguably the best in football. As a Colts fan, because I saw this floating around there a lot, was it frustrating that this now came together post Andrew Luck? Of course, you know, of course it was. And it sucks because Luck only had one year, <coughs> excuse me, where he was able to be behind that offensive line. You know, I think there was a point where Luck went several games without being sacked. Again, as a longtime Colts fan here, I've been a Colts fan for 17 years. You know, I know what it's like to watch your quarterback not get touched. And it was just something where it's like, damn, man, this brings me back to the good old days where I was able to watch 18 not get touched. And, just seeing that line get together and it's something where, you know, was there a Quentin Nelson type of prospect in years before? No. Um, but you would have liked that there was more effort put into the offensive line, especially through the draft. It just, unfortunately it didn't work out, but the president is the president. The offensive line is fixed now. And whether it's Phillip rivers to Jacob Eason, if he takes over in the future to another quarterback, we now know we got some guys up front that's going to protect our quarterback, and that's what matters most. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Jay, uh, Jacob Eason, who um, you know I know well of as a UGA fan, I know he went to Washington afterwards. I, I was hoping we yeah. could have kept him, but you know, like yeah. things happen, man. And uh, you know, he, I think like had he stayed in Georgia, you know, maybe he could have his draft stock could have been higher. But that's another story. But yeah, this this class in general, man. Like, when you look at this rookie class, like, me and Phil, I mean, yeah, the Jaguars had a good class, yeah. too, but we look at the Colts class as well, and this has always been the case as well under Chris Ballard. Like, I, I love what they got going over there, that front office, big fan of Frank Wright as well. But you look at this class, and you've named some of the names, man. Tell us real quick, in your opinion, like, uh, you know, just a, a, a few guys out there that are standouts in the class and some guys that look good in training camp. Uh, because as everybody know, we didn't really have a normal regular season. So that's kind of a key thing now. It's like, what did these guys do in yeah. practice leading up to this point? So, uh, yeah, if you would, yeah. man, just just talk a little bit uh, on them. Yeah, uh, of course. Um, I think this rookie class, and keep in mind, too, this rookie class is boasted by the fact that, technically speaking, the Colts, by trading away their first-round pick, in a way, they drafted DeForest Buckner. So it's like – 
your first round pick was an all pro defensive lineman. That's from the reigning NFC champions. And then you go, oh, by the way, let's get a Jonathan Taylor, who, again, he's going to have a huge role in this offense. I know a lot of people are so focused on, well, ooh, you know, Marlon Mack has a year left in his deal. What does that mean? But I'm focused on the fact that we now have a legitimate two-headed monster at running back, which means Naeem Hines, who was already a dynamic player or had the potential to be dynamic, he's going to be used in a way with Phillip Rivers at quarterback that similar to what Rivers has already seen, like Austin Eakler and, and Melvin Gordon and just those type of guys, a Darren Sproles where he's that dynamic back coming out the backfield and coming out of at the line of scrimmage. Michael Pittman is one of those very solid, short-handed receivers that he's going to be dependent on a lot this year. You know what I mean? Because you look at this receiver core minus T.Y. Hilton, it's young and unproven. I mean, we have high hopes for Paris Campbell. We uh, Zach Pascal had a pretty solid year last year. He was a surprise guy. But besides that, it's very unproven. It's very green. So it's just a matter of Pittman stepping in, Taylor adding to the running game, Isan, this is basically like a red shirt year, but he had a really solid training camp. I mean, Rivers even said on multiple occasions, like Jacob was making throws and he was like, wow, I can't make that throw. <laughs> like that kid has that kind of arm and he's already a professional doing what he can do. And I'm really excited about Julian Blackman, um, a defensive back from Utah. He's going to be one of those guys that I think similar to like a, a Kerry Willis that can be a very versatile safety force, somebody that can play in the box, that can play in coverage that could really do these type of things. And I think that's huge for the Colts because, again, Malik Hooker is our ball hawk safety. He's the guy that we depend on in coverage. So we could got, have guys like Willis, and you can have black men play in the box, cover the slot, and that adds to your secondary. It goes, wow, okay, we're really playing with something here. And that's just really what it is with this Colts team. I mean, even somebody as well like Desmond Patman. I mean, I think he made the team. He's another solid young receiver. That a good training camp. I really like corner Isaiah Rogers, you know, so this team got what it needed out of their rookie class. Get through training camp, be healthy, take advantage of these scrimmages the same way you would an actual preseason game. And we can go into the season just knowing what to expect and, and, and making sure that you guys have your best foot forward. Yeah, yeah, man. You you named some interesting names there. And and like you said, like you, you guys got a Malik Hooker. You know, you guys were always like one of those teams, like at least last year when I looked at them, you know, they were like in most major categories, they were 11 trying to knock that door down to get into the top 10. And yeah. it feels like, you know, they, they probably can do that now when you talk about adding the DeForest Buckner and um, your defensive coordinator, uh, Matt, is it Uberfluss, uh, I think? Yeah, you know, Uberfluss or Eberfluss. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> he is a he's underrated, man. Like. People, if you watch, and then we talked about this on the Texas Unfiltered podcast, if you watch when Deshaun Watson play him, you know, Deshaun yeah. Watson is confused, man. Like, so, uh, like, not only Frank, gets a lot right? of flack. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, he gets a lot of flack, man. He, I, and I don't get it. I don't get it. But when you, you know, you combine what Frank Wright can do with his offensive mind, obviously, uh, with Matt on the other end, man, like it, it feels like this team did definitely do enough to become a playoff team and even make a run in the playoffs. And God forbid, again, like if they face the Texans, man, you know, the Texans in some trouble hey, if now. they face them in the playoffs, man, because they they just hey, have man. like, you know, in terms of the defensive scheme, they just confuse them. You know, it ain't like when they play the Jaguars, he run all over us and runs circles around 
uh, whoever we got on the defensive line, it's a little bit different with y'all. And then, like you said, man, Easton, again, somebody I'm familiar with. Kid has great arm strength, great size. Again, I wish he could have stayed in the SEC, but yeah. look, it still worked out for him because he's in the league learning from Phillip Rivers. So, I mean, what, you yeah. couldn't ask for a better like mentor yeah. in terms of or, or somebody to get a red shirt a year from. Like, And, again, uh, Frank Wright is your essentially your offensive coordinator, essentially. Basically, so that, I mean that's a good situation, and um, you know uh-huh. when you speak on yeah, Taylor, man. To, um, yeah, and salute to um, salute to Nick Serini, by the way, who's another big piece of our offensive staff. If I got if I got your last name wrong, sorry, Nick, but Nick is a huge part. Nick is one of those guys that um, guys in the know of the NFL know how good he is, and he's somebody that I think you know when the Colts have that sort of offensive success this year. I wouldn't be surprised if his name start going in circles because, you know, he does have that sort of pedigree, um, just that friendliness about him that the players do enjoy being around. So Frank gets a lot of credit, and I love Frank, but Nick as well is another big piece of that puzzle. And I think Rivers and Nick had history as well, the same way Rivers and Frank had history. So that's huge as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. Like So you talk about that relationship, man, with the offensive coordinator and Frank and – uh, it seems like they really got something going on. Like me and, and Phil kind of get jealous of the Taylor pick. That's who we kind of, well, at least me, them. you know, I was kind of hoping for. Uh, but then again, I like that was y'all didn't need no, to do that. Did. Right. <laughs> That's the yes, point. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Come you know what's on. so crazy? <laughs> this draft, I think, was the most successful draft I had as a Colts fan in terms of like the guys who I wanted, we got. So, like, I wanted Pittman. We got him. I wanted Taylor. We got him. I wanted Jacob. We got him. So, I'm like, this is fun. Usually, it's just, oh, just address this position, you know. But I was like, these guys, they have to be in the blue and white. Like, no questions asked. Chris, I trust you very much because I love you. But it's like, you have to get these guys. You're insane if you don't get them. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's coming from a place of jealousy. It's not that. Because, <laughs> like Jay said, we definitely wanted him. And, you know, ultimately, we ended up with a running back that went undrafted, who I, Jay and I are both, both very high on, James Robinson. We we won't get into that. But, I mean, yeah, it was uh, – you, you said it right there. It was a draft that Jaguar fans really only dream of. And even though we came away pretty solid, I think I was pretty happy. Was both there. of us were pretty happy with the draft. But, you know, we're talking about – you know, we've alluded to, of course, Philip Rivers and Jacob Eason. But in this discussion, we've left out a guy – like Jacoby Brissett, who from afar, yeah. you know, just being uh, just, of course, with you guys being our in our division, seemed like a pretty stable guy, you know. But then, of course, you bring in Philip Rivers. So how much of an improvement do you think that is? And do you think that change is going to lead to a substantial increase in terms of wins and possibly a playoff run? I definitely think so. You know, Jacoby was somebody and again, I got the. There's definitely tweets out there that can prove it. I was I was rallying behind Jacoby last year after Luck's retirement. Um, Jacoby just seemed like one of those guys where it's like, hey, maybe if things work out right, especially because he's in a situation where the Colts weren't asking him to beat Andrew Luck. It was just be the best Jacoby Brissett you can be. And at first to start the season, he was off to a pretty solid start. He was among the league leaders in touchdowns. He was excellent in the red zone. And he was somebody that was able to make big-time throws when you needed big-time throws. And he's also a very mobile guy that can, most importantly, command the locker room. That was another big thing why the Colts, even with his huge last year salary, they kept him on board because it's like 
everybody loves him. Like he's one of those guys, like even the year before in Luck's final season, whenever the team would make a big play and they run into the end zone and do the celebration, Jacoby Brissett was in all those pictures. Like he's one of those guys that people enjoy, but he just didn't get the job done last year, man. It was like the bottom really dropped off on him last year. And to give him some, some bailout, he, he got injured last year. So when you have a knee injury, in particular at quarterback, it's going to affect your mobility. But it's still something where in a situation where all we're asking you to do is to be solid, you can't give us 18 touchdowns with a handful of them coming in the second half of the year. Even though you're excellent in the red zone, it's like, but, bro, there's a difference between you being excellent in the red zone while you also being able to throw touchdowns longer than 20 or 30 yards. Like, we can't have every touchdown happen in that red zone because it's like Dennis shows that damn. The only way you can really make a play is if we get into the red zone, which means we have to make these big drives. And it may sound crazy to people, but it really makes sense when you think about it, right? Like, I know this is an extreme example, but like Patrick Mahomes, you know, not saying reset to Patrick Mahomes, but it's like Patrick Mahomes succeeds in the red zone, but you also know he's capable of giving you an 80-yard touchdown at any moment. He can maybe give you a 40-yard touchdown at any moment. It's just that versatility and the kind of touchdown passes that you receive from your quarterback really makes your offense operate differently, especially from a defensive side of things. So when you look at Jacoby and it's like, damn, bro, you got injured. You threw 18 touchdowns for the year with basically more more than half of them happening in the first half. And you was already producing a low amount of yardage per game, like 150, 160 yards. It's like, yuck. It's like, yeah, we, we got to get an improvement at quarterback. And I think with Rivers, Rivers is that improvement. You know, I think, I think once again, we're not asking Rivers to be prime Rivers here and give us 4,600 yards and 30-something touchdowns a year. But if you can give us what you gave the Chargers, you know, if you could give us 4,000 yards perhaps and near that, 20-plus touchdowns, you know, anywhere between 23 and 28, and you cut down on the turnovers because last year he had 20 interceptions. So if you could cut it down from 20 to, let's say, 14, 100% the Colts are going to win more games because Rivers is a better quarterback. He's more dynamic. He's going to do things at that position that Brissett for a while solid can't do. And when you put him in a position where, again, Rivers, you're a future Hall of Famer, but we're not asking you to be Andrew Luck. We're asking you to be the best full of Rivers you can be, to be efficient yet dynamic when it when the time calls. If that happens, there is no reason why the Colts can't be a playoff team and improve from seven wins to nine wins or even ten wins. Oh, I mean, I have this conspiracy theory that he just wanted to play the Jaguars twice a year because he carves us up every time. I mean, that helps. That helps. That's why he wanted to come to Indy, among many things. Playing a dome as well. I mean, so so that in and of itself is pretty rude. But, you know, I'll, I'll let <laughs> I'll let Jay get into the next question. Yeah, man, that Phillip Rivers, man. The, I think, like, we, like, in terms of about seven games, we won, like, two or one against him or something ridiculous like that, man. It's... It's crazy. I look at his stats on PFR against the Jaguars and like their Hall of Fame caliber numbers, man. And now we got to play him twice, man. But at least this time we get it out of the way, you know, week one. And then, you know, we get one in the end of the season as well. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But uh, and speaking yeah. of this game, uh, who are some X factors, you know, some under the radar type guys you think that uh, may show up on on game day that people haven't really been talking about. And also, uh, what are some of your concerns when looking at the Jags and in terms of uh, what they have on their side of the ball? Yeah, I would say for the Colts, you know, X-Factors. Again, I brought up Naeem Hines. I, I'm very intrigued to see what he can do because 
his contributions to this Colts team now is going to be very clear offensively in terms of being that Austin Eckler kind of player, you know, which is perfect because, again, Phillip Rivers, look at any offense, he's always had a top-notch receiver and a top-notch tight end to pass to, but he loves his running backs. So Naeem Himes could be that guy for the Jaguars to have to focus on because it's like, dang, if Mack and Taylor get going and our running game's tiring you out, and those linebackers got to run north, south, east, west. Now you got to deal with this guy coming out the backfield. That's going to be tough. Um, I think Michael Pittman, this is going to be a game for him to see how he comes about. But if not, then I'm really interested to see how Paris Campbell works out. Again, Paris Campbell's supposed to kind of, this is supposed to be sort of like TY 2.0, that dynamic speedster that can really just take the roof off of defense and how he utilizes things. Because I think for the short to intermediate passing game, the Colts are in pretty good shape. I think, once again, you we have the tight ends and, and a Jack Doyle, um, when healthy Trey Burton, and, and even Mo Alice-Cox. I think, once again, uh, Hines and, and Mack and Taylor from potential screens. I think somebody like a Pittman and Pascal can do something in the short to intermediate passing game. And, of course, T.Y. is always going to be T.Y. But Campbell can really do something here if he stays healthy and if he's involved in a, in a, in a, in a game along with Hines. And if, and for the Jaguars, I'm just really interested because it's like you guys are a new look team, man. It's just so many faces from two years ago, bro. It's no longer there. So this is the kind of game that scares me as a fan because it's like I don't really know that I, I really don't know the identity of this team. I really don't. It's one thing if you guys had some of those same pieces defensively. You know, if you had a Campbell, if you if you had uh Yannick or others there that really fueled your defense. You guys don't. It'd be different. It's like, oh, yeah, they got Leonard Fournette. Yeah, be careful, man. They're going to run the ball. You don't. So it's like I don't really know what to expect. I love Gardner. Shoot to Gardner. That's my guy, man. I was rooting for him crazy last year. And he's somebody, too, that, you know, it's he's one of those unique quarterbacks, man, where it's like he can make some big plays now. He, he can wiggle out and, and really do some things. And, and for our pass rush, it's something where – if no disrespect, but if Gardner is cooking us, I'm not going to be happy from a long-term perspective because it's like, hey, man, I like this kid, but hey, yo, excuse my language, but you got to tear his ass up. You got to. You know, when you got Watson in the division and then you look at the schedule at any given moment, you can face a top-notch quarterback and you can do this and that. You let Gardner tear you up first game or not. That's, uh, that's not the best feeling you want. But in general, with the Jaguars, man, it's definitely something where, again, it, I'm very intrigued to see. Again, you guys got a lot of new faces here. You guys had a huge turnover with the roster. So it's like, all right, let me look up these new names here. I remember DJ. Uh, oh, yeah, salute to DJ, man. DJ Talk. He, he's underrated to me as a receiver for what he can do. But besides that, besides the two names I mentioned from this current roster, I do not have a clue. And that scares me a little bit, but it should be fun on Sunday. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny. funny you mentioned that because I that's one thing that I've been telling people. I was like, well, at least the Jaguars go into it uh, with the unknown factor. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, yeah. not even if you want to go look at Gardner's tape from last year, he got a new offensive coordinator. He's with Jay Gruden now, See? so it's a new system in a way, you know. So, uh, you know, they do have at least that element of surprise, and you know, if a team comes out rusty like the Colts, because, you know, that that's going to be a thing from somebody in this league, yep. or some teams in this league. People yep. are going to come out rusty because they didn't have preseasons to tackle each other, exactly. whatever the case may exactly. be. 
So it's, it's going to be some rust. And, you know, maybe that works in the Jags' advantage. You know, me and Phil aren't as high uh, as, a, uh, you know, about us winning week one. But, you know, those are some little things that you just have to kind of look out I'm for. I'm not either. And like you said. You... <laughs> I'm not either. Colts yeah. haven't won a week one game since Sorrell Pryor was in the league at quarterback. It's been a long time. See, it's been a long time. That's another former Jag, by the way. See what I mean, you know, bro? Prior that, uh... I mean? It's crazy, bro. <laughs> it's something where again, man, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see, man. Besides quarterback, too, the Colts also just kicking, kicking killed us last year. You know, Venetary's the goat, Hall of Famer, but he killed us last year in a lot of games. So you know, we got this rookie from UGA, as you would know, Jay. You know, uh, what is it, uh, Rego or something, Blank Ship? Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. Yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship. Yeah, I mean, so far he's good at Madden. That's for sure. So far he's good at Madden. And he's been making kicks in real life. So we need that to translate to the regular season. Yo, man, Goggles is a he a legend in UGA, man. That kid, like, yeah, I know, <laughs> man. Anytime know. we needed a big one, it's like, oh, send, send Goggles out there, man. We got to get this kick, man. So, yeah, man, that's a good pickup. I saw that too. That uh, they you know they're they're parting ways from Vinatieri and they're going with the young rookie. Which, I mean, I think y'all got him undrafted too, right? Yeah, he was undrafted. Yeah, so like, I mean, I thought Rodrigo was gonna get like drafted by some team, albeit late, you know, seventh round, sixth round. But that's a steal for y'all, man. Just if y'all could just get him to have that cutthroat mentality you need in the NFL, then he's in good hands. And then in terms of the something else you mentioned, the receivers, man, that's the interesting part of this game. Yes. Point blank period on both sides because you guys got young receivers and that's something the Jaguars are dealing with too. And, you know, we, we all know, like you said, of course, we know about DJ Chark and what he could do, arguably a, a top four deep threat in football. But you look at these new rookies that they got that have been a part of, uh, you know, the standouts in training camp in terms of uh, Colin Johnson, who feels a big fan of as a Texas fan. And then, uh, LaVisca Chenault, man, you, you look at these guys, they were standouts in camp and it's like, these guys are going to see snaps super early. Like they even like, if you're going by the unofficial depth chart, uh, LaVisca's surpassed DD Westbrook on the depth chart. So we'll that see like what crazy, they actually crazy. lose to. But, uh, yeah, man, like it, this is going to be a game where I'm watching the young receivers on both sides of the ball because they might be the X factors in my opinion. Uh, but I guess time will tell, man. Kyle will tell. You're not lying about that. There's a couple of things I want to talk about, too. And uh, the last thing you mentioned there, Jay, as far as LaVisca surpassing Didi, I think based on some stuff we've seen from social media, and also you and I have already talked about this, we don't believe he's going to be back next year. I think they're going to slowly but surely throughout the season phase out D.D. Westbrook from this offense. Mm. Based on, of course, how everyone else performs, which we expect when we have very high expectations. But I think that's going to slowly happen throughout the year where Didi just kind of starts to see less and less playing time because I think maybe the writing is already on the wall for him. I mean, you saw some of those reports as far as him being apparently being upset on on the practice field. I'm pretty sure you saw that, right? Well, I saw like people spitballing about him maybe being traded and so on and so forth. And I know like he's the number one kick returner. So he'll he'll have that duty still. But I mean, I think like for me, like my concern is LaVisca's health. Like, you know, LaVisca don't have the best resume in terms of health but if he can stay healthy you know you can see where they definitely could phase out dd westbrook i mean he offers more size for sure um he you know he he can play in the slot uh he's a guy that offers more probably yards after the catch because of sheer power not to say that dd westbrook couldn't do that as well but 
Uh, this is a more of a, a brutal force at slot receiver that nobody wants to tackle instead of D.D. Westbrook. So, man, we talking about a kid that played wildcat quarterback, that played running back, that actually ran into contact. That's probably why he didn't stay healthy, but that actually invited contact at Colorado State. So, he's a dude I'm sure Arden knows about a lot about him because they, they needed receivers yeah. in the draft, man. He's a dude like – Looked at him closely. Yeah, he can, he can be very, very scary, you know, for an unexpected team like the Colts that, you know, don't really know what the Jaguars plan to do with him because they've said it. Like, we literally want to use him everywhere on the field. Nobody knows what they're going to do with him. And then the other thing, as far as uh, having uncertainty is at, at kicker, I guess that's the one thing as Jaguar fans we we can't relate to, right? At least we got Lamborghini locked <laughs> locked down. Love that guy, yeah, Lamborghini uh, <laughs> man, Lambo. <laughs> Love that guy. So, um, but yeah, I, man, I, ultimately, guys, of course, we're both just excited to see football again. Of course, we'll get a game here this Thursday, but then our two teams will will match up and uh, just be excited. And hopefully, everybody. Of course, stays healthy throughout this entire year because the NFL, of course, is still untested. You know, everything as far as in training camps has gone very, very well, which is great. Um, but you see how the NBA has been able to do it in the bubble extremely successfully. But then baseball has been like a mixed bag. So, I, you know, you just hope that everybody is able to to stay safe. Um, but the last question we'll ask you about here, Arden, before we let you go, uh, you know, as far as just the AFC South, as a whole, um, I think the the favorite, at least as far as a poll I saw that uh, Mike Greenberg put out, a lot of people still favoring the Titans. Uh, and then, of course, it's Houston and then Indy. And then, you know, no one even, I think, remembers that we still play football here in Jacksonville. But uh, what are your overall thoughts about the AFC South as a whole? And how do you think things are going to pan out? I think the AFC South, once again, is solid. You know, it's another solid division that really over the last couple of years has been determined by the team that's the hottest late, you know? So Tennessee had that run last year. The year before that, it was my Colts. I think your Jags may have been the only team that was consistently good throughout the year and rightfully deserved to win the division, but it is a trend. So when you look at that and you realize like, hey, minus somebody breaking out, more than likely, this is going to be a division where more times than not, we'll see two teams in first place. Or we'll may see a three-team tie. And even a team that is in last place maybe only be a couple of games out. So I think the biggest thing is going to be who's that team that really feels as if, hey, yo, we can get off to a hot start. Um, I think Tennessee is rightfully the favorites, but I don't, I don't fear Tennessee. I, I know we can beat Tennessee. We have before. And they were just a lesser version of us last year in terms of that team that got red hot and they had the whole thing with Derrick Henry basically being the best running back in football and Tannehill coming in clutch at the right times and their defense making enough plays. But I think when we went on that same run the year before, we were easily a greater team, you know, that almost had a shot at beating the Chiefs in Kansas City in the divisional game, you know. So I look at that and then I look at what this team can do now. I think we should definitely compete for a top two spot within this division. I think I definitely think there's a chance for the Colts to be the leaders of this division, but it's usually such a close division because of this, the dynamic that happens, especially when we all play each other. These games are always very close. They always come down to the end. And it seems as if the new trend is whoever's going to get hot during the second half. So I value the first half of the season, obviously, but I more so value what is the second half of the season and who's going to be the hot team. Because even if somebody is doing bad, 
again, one second half run, as we've seen over the last two years, has determined a team that either wins the division or just has greater playoff success. It's, got, it's gotten to the point where winning the division doesn't really mean a thing because the team that's gotten hot and got to the playoffs usually wins at least one playoff game. And both the Titans and the Texans won at least one playoff game last year, and the Colts did it before. And, of course, your Jacks made it all the way to the AFC title game two or three years ago. So I'm really excited to see what happens with this division. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely confident that the Colts can win it. But I also know that it's usually, a, you know, it's a Royal Rumble in the AFC South. So my emotions are in check, and I'm ready for whatever happens. Yeah, you make a good point there because, like, you can see a team that, say, at the halfway point is three and five, hypothetically, and still be be very much in it because of what you just said. Like a team goes on a run late, then all of a sudden, you know, they're the hottest team rolling into the playoffs. So I Yeah. I mean, my Colts were was what? One in five, one in six, and then we finished ten and six. It just happened. The Titans last year went on that similar run. The Texans did just enough to make it in. It happens, man. This division does it. Guys just make it up to another level. And, and besides the obvious names, the AFC South is definitely home to some underrated guys, man, that that really step up and make a bigger name for themselves. You know, so that's why, like I said, I'm I'm going to try to be even kill this season. I'm going to try to be even kill until it makes sense for me to be hype and, and not act even kill. But I'm going to be very even kill because this division, simply put, is weird. Yeah, and Jay can speak to this. There's a whole lot of optimism for Jaguar fans right up until that kickoff, and then all bets are off. So, you know, who knows what will happen. But yeah. again, very excited to have football back. But Arden, we're going to let you go here in just a moment. Jay, did you have any other questions for our, our awesome guest before we let him get out of here? Nah, man, I just agree with pretty much all he said, man, in terms of the division and how weird it is and like I was reflecting on it as he was talking about it. I was like, yeah, that's why the Jaguars only have won AFC South what one one time in their history or, or whatever the case may be since it's been the AFC South, should we say. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, they never play well in December. So, you know, like like he said, man, like it's gonna be it's all gonna be about December. And he also made a good point. Me and you have talked about this too. Who starts the hottest is gonna be key. And when you look at the Jazz schedule, it's favorable, albeit, you know, we're not that optimistic about the season. They play the weaker teams in the front of their schedule. So they could start off hot. They play the harder teams in the back of their schedule, which is, you know, like these top 10 defenses like the Bears and, and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, maybe a, hard, a hot start could help him. Uh, but he made some good points there, man. But, yeah, we're going to let him go, man. We know he's a busy man running all of these companies and whatnot, man. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys, man, for inviting me on the show. You know, Jay, Phil, man, even from a distance, I'm always saying what you guys are doing. So it's always dope checking in with my fellow peers in this media game, you know, my Jaguars brethren. And, of course, division rivals are not. I wish you guys, you know, great health throughout the season. You know, hopefully you guys could finally have some stability, something, you know, right, just goes right with you guys. Because, again, I'm, I'm a Colts fan, and, of course, I'm always going to want to see my team do well, but there was a different energy seeing the Jaguars do well. You know, and it was definitely a different look. Duval did become a thing. So, hey, man, I wish you guys great health. Protect Gardner. Give him a fair chance, please. And then we'll just go from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And of course, that that goes back to y'all. Of course, we just hope 
that teams have success except against each other. You know, of course, uh, <laughs> want to see. But hey, Arden, we're gonna let you go. But really quick before you get out of here, again, one more time, let everybody know where they can find you know all of your work, all your projects. Yeah, man. From the sports side of things, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter. You know, at Arden Sports Talk, A R D E N Sports Talk. You can also look up Drake's Dance Coach. That's me. That's everything you need to know from the sports side of things. You know, all my articles live event coverage. It all takes place from my Twitter. And for anything, again, Foresight related, you can follow us on Twitter at Foresight Network, but the platform that we really have embraced and made our home is Instagram. So follow us under the same name at Foresight Network on Instagram. Of course, we have a website, foresightny.com. So again, think of the number four, F-O-U-R, letter form, side, ny.com. Give us a follow, show some love, and hey, man, it's always good talking to you guys. I appreciate the audience for listening. And again, I'll speak to you guys soon. Let's have a fun season. Again, man, shouts out to Arden for joining us. We had a whole lot of fun doing that, uh, having that discussion with him. And uh, we'll definitely have him back on, see maybe at the end of the year since we play the Colts again. And we can kind of have a retrospective and look back at this episode and see, you know, what all these predictions turn out. But that being said, you guys, because we are on the uh, essentially, well, this episode is going to come out on Thursday, which is the night of the first game of the season. Of course, we are here just a few days away from the Jaguars making their debut for the 2020 season, which means we are going to get into our predictions as far as record wise, where we feel like the team is going to finish before that. Just want to cover a couple of things here. Of course, if you missed it. The Jaguars did name their team captains over on offense. We have Gardner Minshew, Brandon Linder, and Chris Conley. On the defensive side, we have Josh Allen, Miles Jack, Avery Jones, and Jared Wilson. And then on special teams, of course, we have Josh Lambeau. This is going to be the fourth time for Brandon Linder, second time for Miles Jack. But other than that, everyone else is a first-time captain. And, I mean, all these guys, Jay, I tweeted this out the other day, very much deserving, but I do want to give a special shout out to Chris Conley, who has been not only a leader within this organization, but also in this community. I think it's awesome that they that they voted him in as a team captain this year. But yeah, man, I, I really I really enjoyed that they did vote him in as a team captain because, you know, he's been doing all of the off the field stuff as well, you know, with with the today's day and age and what's going on in society, man. And it's, you know, you know, while people have had things to say about it, whatever, uh, he's been doing exactly what he needs to be doing for the African-American community. Uh, I think a lot of people in Jacksonville and just in general are appreciative of it as well. And, you know, for him to, you know, get that reward to be a team captain uh, definitely speaks volumes of how the team and organization also views him as well. So, yeah, I was glad to see. You know, the former Georgia Bulldog get the, the nod as a captain. And it's it's kind of been long overdue for him. I guess in Kansas City, the thing that you could say was like he was kind of buried under the depth chart. But he's always been a guy that I feel like should have been in the forefront of a team wherever he was. And uh, now he finally is. You know, he's a leader within that receivers group, a leader for offense. Um, and like I said, a leader off of the field as well. Uh, nice to see Gardner as well. Of course, you know, it would have kind of looked odd if your quarterback isn't one of the team captains, especially in the in his second year. You know, you can understand last year because Nick Foles was there. Uh, but, yeah, good to see him there. Avery Jones absolutely deserves it. The longest tenured Jag on the team. Uh, Gerard Wilson was an interesting one. I, I like to see that as well. Um, I, I was thinking, like, they maybe, like, 
viewed that along the lines of a, a special teams type of deal. But then I thought about it. I was like, Gerard don't really play on special teams. He's a starter. So I think, you know, he's getting his due in terms of just uh, longevity with the team and, and starting experience. Uh, and, yeah, this this is a nice little group. I, I'm impressed with it. Absolutely. And even though, of course, we are seeing this youth movement within the team, we just spoke uh, about it with Arden about how we don't expect Didi to be back going forward. But Chris Conley, and of course, it's not like he's an old man. He's 27. I mean, he's still very young. As far as Chris Conley, I hope he's a guy that's around for a long time, not only to be in that leadership role for the wide receiver room, but just in general for the team and the city. I think he's brought a lot. And just like you said, Jay, he's a guy that probably got buried in Kansas City is now getting his opportunity because, you know, if you put the tape on, Chris Conley really jumps out in, in the certain spots. And I think he's really built up a really good rapport with Gardner, which, of course, is going to be very important this season. You know, who knows what happens going forward. But we just wanted to give a special shout out to all those guys that are team captains, not only for, you know, for multiple times and Linder and Miles Jack, but specifically the guys that are first timers. Really, really awesome. We're going to get into our predictions for the season. Jay, I did want to take an opportunity here really quick. Uh, We did this the other day over on Twitter where we got to shout out, you know, all of the different Jaguar shows. And, you know, as a podcast, you know, as a podcaster, you always love seeing just a, a wide variety of opinions. And I want to give out, a shout out to our buddy Robson over at Jags Across the Pond for starting his podcast and, you know, just welcome him into this this world and this realm. I know he listens to the show, so special shout out to not only him, but the fans over in the UK because he finally got that podcast going. Yeah, shout outs to Robson, man. I, I know, like, when we had the Shant Club uh, conference call, man, he was very passionate about football. I love to see that, you know, in, in a country that, you know, they have to watch it from a distance. So you could tell, like... The mindset has always been there. I'm, I'm sure he's going to do good things. And uh, Britt Jack has a podcast as well. That's another supporter of ours as well that people should check out. I know like one of his last, the last one I heard he had on Austin Lane, which I, I listened to the whole thing. That was interesting. So, yeah, just, you know, shout outs to our listeners over there across the pond and glad that Robinson got his project moving and we'll definitely be rating, commenting and subscribing just as we ask people to do with our podcast. Absolutely. So let's get into it here, you guys. The season is upon us. We, Jay and I both have the schedule here, and we're just going to give uh, take this opportunity to let you guys know where we think the season is going to fall as far as wins and losses. So, Jay, I will give you the floor first, my friend. You know, when you look at this schedule, you break it down. Wins and losses, how do you see the 2020 Jaguars finishing? Yeah, I mean, when I look at the schedule... I was a little bit more confident months ago that they could be closer to 500. And that's not to say I was all in on that either, but I felt like they could be closer to 500 when uh, before they lost Rodney Gunter and Al Woods. And that's really been a sticking point for me is losing two starters. It concerns me. Um, albeit, as I said, Von Hamilton should be very good. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we're hoping for good things out of Tavon Bryan. And we'll see what kind of production they can get at the big end position that Gunter would have played as well as, you know, he would have kicked into the interior. Uh, but that's concerning because when you lose those two guys, you reach further into your depth, you know, and you're minus two guys essentially. So that scares me. Something we didn't get to talk on is looking at this roster and the the people that made the final 53 Uh, The Jaguars are the youngest, I put the article out, are the youngest team in terms of their initial roster in football. 
at a age or a average age of 24.9. The next team was the Dolphins, who are at an average age of 25. So that's concerning. Uh, you got five. You enter this season with five, or is it? I think it's four actually. Rookie cornerbacks. That's a position you do not want to be that young at. That's concerning. I'm sure they'll probably have to promote Sidney Jones or something like that to the the main roster eventually. Really concerning. Uh, really concerned about that. Uh, and like we said, you know, we, when you look at this team, 16 rookies, and most of which are on defense. That's always been my concern from the get-go was, you know, the defensive side of the ball. I feel like the offensive side of the ball is going to have to be the one that propels this team. It's going to have to fall on Gardner's shoulders. It's going to have to fall on James Robinson's shoulders, and we weren't expecting that. Um, It's going to have to fall on this offensive line's shoulders to progress and be better than they were last year. And, you know, while I wouldn't say, like, I don't think they can on that side of the ball. It's just just being that young on defense uh, concerns me. And, I, yeah, I'm going to have to just say I went with six wins, was it? Yeah, six wins. So it's really just one less win than I was saying before. Uh, but, yeah, six wins, five wins is, you know, somewhere between there. But I'll just say six to be safe. And even that might be a stretch. But we all know how the Jaguars win games that we weren't expecting to win and that they shouldn't have won. So, you know, you got to factor that into the equation. But I think, like, it, it's definitely possible they can have less than six wins at this point. But uh, just right now, just not really confident in the youth movement, albeit. Now, I will say this. This could be a launching pad for having a very good team next year. Like Arden spoke on, they got a lot of rookies that got experience last year that makes their team stronger this year. So, you know, that'll be us next year. It's like we got a lot of players that were young that got to play that you can uh, use for depth purposes or starter purposes. And uh, I really think next year is going to be uh, 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 the year for fans to really be excited about about the Jaguar springboarding as a, opposed to this one, much like 2017 when we went on that run in free agency um, and added to what we had. That's basically how I feel they'll do next year. Yeah, and I, and I fell similarly to where you landed as well, Jay. You know, I think leading into the season, there was some cautious optimism in terms of wins and losses. And you think, hey, maybe this team can surprise some people. Go seven and nine, go and go eight and eight. As we just mentioned with Arden, if a team is three and five at the midway point, they're still very much in it, most likely, because I don't see a team in this division that is, say, seven and one eight and no at the break you know what i mean i don't think that's going to happen uh ultimately though just looking at the schedule the first half as you just spoke on with arden you know we have a relatively easier schedule they play the lower tier teams in the first half of the season which is why i do see them being relatively successful i do think one of those games whether it be to Miami or Cincinnati, where they may possibly be favored. I think maybe they lose one of those games. Hopefully it's not the Miami game because that's our only primetime game of the season. It's over on a Thursday night on, on NFL Network, I believe. And that'll be the opportunity. Of course, you know, we saw how Minshew performed under the bright lights last year against Tennessee. That was kind of like his coming out party, right? We already had seen it a little bit, but that was like, okay, Gardner might be, we might have something here. Ultimately though, when I look at starting at week 10, uh, against Green Bay from that point on between week 10 and week 15 I have them rattling off one two three six losses um, and the Cleveland thing I think the Cleveland game can go either way 
But we just talked about it before we started, Jay. A team with that much talent still scares me. Yeah, Baker Mayfield might not be the guy, but like there's so many good players on that on both sides of that that team. So I have them going five and eleven uh, ultimately, which of course again just not too far off from you. Um, just because that second half of the season is brutal, man. It's really brutal. What I do hope we get in week sixteen is a showdown between Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. I think people would love to see that. That would definitely push the needle in terms of a narrative, even though record-wise both teams may be out of it at that point. But I think it would at least be interesting. Ultimately, I think what a lot of people want to see is the team be competitive, right? We don't want a just a bunch of performances like week one last year, right, right against the Chiefs where they get blown out. Even though, if you guys remember, at halftime, it was only 20 to 10. And it definitely shouldn't have been. That was the the game where Sammy Watkins carved us up. I don't know that he had a performance like that the rest of the year, but he like ate us up, dude. I think ultimately people want to see the team be competitive. Now, I guess before, you know, we we just wrap up this episode, Jay, I, I guess five and 11, six and 10, a couple of questions. What does that mean for Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell? We'll just pair them together as a duo. What do you think it means if that's how the, how it goes? And also five and 11, six and 10, what does that mean for Gardner Minshew? I guess without having the statistics, you can't really, it's hard to answer that question. But what do those numbers mean if for those people in particular, if that's the outcome of the season? Well, first, I want to say that Shad Khan is a unpredictable in terms of these kind of decisions. He's a little unpredictable in terms of what he could do. And I think the factor that a lot of people will consider here is will he use the pandemic as an excuse to keep Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone one more year? You know, we're almost at a decade mark with both Shotgun's tenure and more specifically Dave Caldwell. What I think this will be his eighth season. And there has only been one winning season out of the whole mix. And that wasn't sustained success. And I think, in my opinion, like there's no way he could keep this team with six or five wins or he could keep this front office with six or five wins and go to the media and explain why he did it or come up with an excuse as to why he did it. So that being said, I think, again, like you never know what shot come, but from that perspective alone, like he probably would have to move on from them. And my thing is this, too is if you get six wins and he starts to have it in his mind that he maybe should keep Dave Caldwell or whatever the case may be for one more year, here's my counter argument that nobody's really looking at. Okay, well, if Dave Caldwell can give you six wins during a pandemic-like season and Doug Marone can, just imagine what a uh, a John Borgazzi from the Kansas City Chiefs could do if you bring him into this mix with all of this compensation you got in the draft uh, with all of this and all that money, all of this salary cap, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if you get somebody from him or you pluck uh, a gentleman, I forget his name from the Seattle Seahawks uh, front office or so on and so forth. Uh, you just get one of these uh, marquee names, you know, and the, the guy we thrown out there is Daniel Jeremiah too, who, you know, he's been on the podcast and he said he, he believes Dave Caldwell can scout. And, you know, he, he's more friend of the show, uh, friend of the show, Daniel Jeremiah. Right. There you go. Way. Friend of the show, Daniel Jeremiah. And he's fine with, uh, you know, sticking around with NFL Network. But, you know, you always like he says, you always listen. You always listen. So 
Uh, that's my counter argument to that. If they do get six wins and Shad Khan wants to validate trying to keep them or he has that thought in his mind, well, my thought is, well, if Dave Caldwell can give you that on a pandemic year, on a year that wasn't normal without training camp and so on and so forth, uh, imagine what you could do if you get the right person in here that can uh, take all of those assets you have, the draft picks and the salary cap. And flip that because, again, like I said, I feel like this year is a launch pad to a even better, you know, you can see a, a huge increase in wins from this year to next if the compensation and the, the assets are utilized properly. And, again, the, the big question then becomes, does Shad Khan know how to make the right hire to get this thing going in the right direction? That's more so the question. If they fall 6 and 10 People, the, the first thing that needs to come to mind is like, is Shad Khan going to do the right thing in terms of personnel? And, you know, that's the, I guess you could say, what is the franchise worth uh, over $2 billion? You know, that's a $2 billion question right there. Who is he going to get to run the show? And can they take all of what Dave Caldwell has built this year and launch it into some actual success next year? Now, oh, for the Minshew question, I forgot about that. Again, if, if Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone are gone, you, I mean, nine times out of 10, most, if you got the right people in the front office, they're going to not take anybody else's quarterback. Simply put, if you got the right people in the office, they're not going to try and convince themselves to, to stick with Gardner Minshew. So I think, again, like a lot of that also depends on, again, that number I put out is he needs to be approximately a top 12 quarterback. And if he's not, the next regime, if there is a next regime, they're definitely not going to stick with them. Not knowing what the assets they have either. Uh, by the way, you know, they probably will trade all those assets and it'll probably take some assets from another year to move up into the top whatever to get tre uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever the case may be. Uh, but, yeah, they're not going to convince themselves to make that mistake because that's why we are here where we are right now. It's because Tom Coughlin came into this equation and he took – Dave Caldwell's quarterback instead of going and getting his own. You know, we're here because of that. And that being said, hopefully if he gets the right person in place, and I'm talking about Shad Khan here, they will know better. And these people that I've named, they would know better than to make that mistake, and they will move on from Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, there, there might be some people uh, a little upset about, but, you know, having this kind of foresight looking into to next year, but – I mean, that's kind of where we are with this team. Of course, you know, we want the team to be successful and maybe surprise us. But at a certain point, if things aren't going well, then you have to look forward to the future as an organization. Of course, the players and the coaches, they're not going to do that. They're coaching. They're playing for right now. You know, I've, we've talked about this before. We definitely don't buy into tanking on a on a coaching and player level. Now, as far as, you know, organizational, that's a whole nother discussion we can have some other time. But, you know, I. Ultimately, as I mentioned, you hope that the team is at least entertaining. I'm sure there are going to be some ugly games, but you're just going to get that from, honestly, a lot of teams because of how odd of a season this is going to be. And again, ultimately, you hope that you know everyone just stays healthy and gains a lot of really, really good experience from all of this. And you know, we'll certainly see what happens. Last thing before we go, though, though Jay, I do want to, I get a, I get a, a redo at my, my hot take for the 2020 season because Josh Oliver, of course, unfortunately has gone on injured reserve. He will not be eligible to return. I got my new hot take. So here it is, you guys. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you've seen 
all day today. Well, it was a couple days ago now once this episode comes out. I've, I've been hyping up James Robinson. And of course, there's all this nonsense that people for some reason are upset about when it comes to Leonard Fournette. We're not going to get into it. So I'm making this prediction right here that James Robinson will finish the season with more touchdowns than Leonard Fournette. You guys can take that one to the bank. That's what I'm giving you. That is the sword that I will fall on. He is, as of right now, on the unofficial depth chart, I believe, Jay. He is the starter. Uh, Raquel Armstead, unfortunately, is going to start the season on the reserve um, COVID list. So I think James Robinson is going to make an impact. If you haven't already, pick him up on your fantasy team. I'm telling you right now, James Robinson is going to have a breakout year. Yeah, I'm excited between him and Divine Ozigbo, you know, and I, I know I get it. These two guys were undrafted, but they were talented guys. You look at on film and you can say, OK, why didn't these guys get drafted? And it's like I told you, man, like sometimes when you get it, especially in the late rounds, scouts overthink stuff, man. Just go with what you see on the film. Uh, go with your gut feeling at that point. And to the Jazz credit, they did a good job in the late round. So I can understand why they didn't get uh, James Robinson because they added people like Colin Johnson and apparently Jake Luton who you know Jake Gruden is crazy about so you know like obviously they made the most of their late round picks and Chris Claybrooks too who is actually high on the depth chart as a cornerback crazy right because we thought he was going to be a kick returner or you know a punt returner or some kind of specialist so uh, that being said man yeah I, I can't wait to watch the James Robinson hype train man I'm like I sent in that uh that picture from our account, the Jags podcast, uh, the Believe in Jags podcast account, man. I'm ready to get the Robinson Hive going. I've been talking about him all throughout, you know, since the draft, basically. He's a guy, like I said, I like his vision. Not a burner, exactly, but I love his vision. I love his ability to weave through traffic. I love the decisiveness when he makes a decision. And he's the guy, you know, like I, I think the one comparison that I – I think Pete Prisco was saying a lot of people make, is it David Montgomery that a lot of people have compared him to? But uh, I think, you know, that's an interesting one. And, and we'll see, you know, if we uh, caught lightning in the bottle, so to speak, with uh, James Robinson from Illinois State. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough, of course, with him being in a smaller school to tr to find that tape. But the tape that I did find, I was very impressed and um, you know, there's one of the one, one of the other reasons I'm very optimistic about this season. But, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But that is my new my new hot take. That's going to stick because the season's going to start by the time this episode comes out. Uh, but, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely monitor that for sure. But, Jay, we're going to wrap it up here. Of course, another great episode. One more time. Shouts out to Arden for joining us uh, again. A guy that's really been at this with us since the very beginning. So it was really great to have him on like old times. Jay, tell them what they have to look forward to, not only here on the podcast, but of course over at the Jaguars Wire. And then we'll get out of here for this week. Before we do that, I want to ask you this. So you, when you say James Robinson is going to have more touchdowns than Leonard Fournette, now are we talking about 2019 Leonard Fournette, right? Oh, no, I'm talking about this year. Like he's going to outperform Leonard Fournette. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I I wouldn't doubt that either because of that scheme, that offense over there at Tampa Bay. And then Rojo is actually, you know, still the number one, as he should be. I don't think that would have been wise on any team to just, oh, we just traded for this guy. Let's make him the number one. Like, he didn't go through training camp or none of that with y'all. He didn't earn it like Rojo did. That would have been messed up. But, yeah, man, I, you're right. Like, with Tom Brady there and Gronk there, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. In terms of the projects we got going on, 
We're going to continue to look at the Colts. You know, we gave you all a preview with Arden coming on. Uh, we'll probably still do behind enemy lines in terms of uh, something with the Colts wire. Still, uh, we'll be looking at X factors for the game, uh, players to watch for the games, maybe matchups to watch for the game. You know, the usual that we start to do around this time of the year, which I'm I'm actually kind of happy to be doing because, again, as I said in the podcast, it's crazy that we're here after all we've been through as a nation. You, you would just think in the beginning of the year, oh, man, we're not going to see any football of any sort. So that's a blessing in itself. And, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of Colts, Jags-related content, game day content. I don't know, maybe me and Phil might get together after the game and record a uh, some kind of live session uh, with our thoughts in terms of a pregame show or something like that. So much, much more to come. Next week we'll be talking uh, Tennessee Titans, and uh, we'll be trying to do some airwave runs on the airwaves with the Tennessee media as well and, uh, you know, see how that divisional game goes as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. A lot to look forward to here on the show and over on the Jaguars Wire. As far as me, again, I have my other project, the Wait For It podcast. And for those of you that are fans of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, I just had a guest on for yesterday's episode. Her name is Laura, but you guys may know her as Clever Fangirl. So when we talked about all things Jurassic in terms of the fandom, upcoming Netflix show, the movies, all of that stuff. So if you are a fan of that, um, you know, of that series, definitely go check it out. And of course, you know, just continue to support the podcast, guys. We really appreciate it. One of the best ways, again, to support us is head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave a five-star review. And as far as subscribing, do that wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or Apple Podcasts. As I mentioned, again, a great way to support the show. We really appreciate you guys. Um, You can find us, of course, at Believe.com. And at Believe Podcast, you can find myself on Twitter at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. And again, you can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. So thank you so much, guys. Let's get into some football. We're excited that it is finally here. So you guys have a great weekend watching the Jaguars. And make sure you tune in to Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe. Do you? We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.